0: G'day, g'day! Welcome to Game Day with Gabe. I'm your host, Gabe the Babe, and you're about to get an insight to the college football world. Hello, everyone. I am so thrilled today to have the one and only Jerem Jordan join me on the podcast. Jerem is a co-host of the daily BYU Sports Nation radio and TV show, and he regularly participates in the broadcasts of BYU Football basketball, volleyball, and soccer games, as well as all things BYU sports. You will know and recognize him and I'm excited to have him with me today. Welcome, Jerm, to Game Day with Gabe.
1: Gabe, what's up, dude? There's not too many 15-year-old BYU fans doing a weekly podcast. In fact, I don't know any others. So uh, you're the man. You're dominating your space in the BYU sphere. So nice job, man.
0: Thank you. Let's jump straight into it. We're gonna talk BYU sports. First thing I'd like to talk about is talk BYU football. BYU finished five and seven in the Big Twelve in our first year, and we did not make a bowl game. So, what does BYU need to do in this off season to remain competitive in the Big Twelve?
1: Yeah, gotta hit the transfer portal hard, right? Uh, gotta hire a good O line coach, tight end coach, and uh, gotta bring in uh, capable guys. And and that's at every position. I, I don't think there's a single position where I would say. Yeah, BYU doesn't need someone at that position, literally from quarterback to kicker, even though you know you have Will Farron, you need some good competition, right, and uh, is that Landon Rico, is that somebody else on the roster, I know they're Matthias Dunn, they're other guys, right, but uh, there always needs to be competition um, to to keep that improving, the the threat of being replaced is a powerful thing, uh, on BYU Sports Nation, I gotta be good so that someone else doesn't take my job, you know what I mean, so it it, it goes for everybody. Uh, so we'll see who they bring in. what is there a power five transfer quarterback? Obviously, the offensive line needs some help. We don't know, too, Gabe, if like Aiden Robbins is going to return. We don't know on you know a couple of guys like who might leave from BYU. We can't assume that everyone will stay and they just add. Sometimes you lose guys. So the next couple of weeks uh, will be interesting because the portal is open from the mon- the Monday of this week all the way to January second. So we'll see, man.
0: Yeah, we'll see great insights and we'll see if we're going to bring in another quarterback to help Jake Redslaff out and then get our coaching staff and that's the stuff we need to do yeah so and now we're going to talk BYU basketball can you believe our 8-0 start
1: yeah hey huge smile on your face by the way I love that uh because it's been amazing right we listen we thought the BYU in this in this with this schedule would go you know five and three six and two hey maybe seven and one 8-0, though, and beating Fools by 40-plus on the reg. This is awesome, man. They're playing great basketball, unselfish, hustling, uh, team-connected, great chemistry, no ego, fighting through injuries. It's been amazing. I, I've been covering VOA basketball in some form or another the last 17 years, and even those Jimmer teams, nobody has been playing like this. Those teams did not play like this. Like They were a different way of being successful, but this team's incredible. I fully expect BYU to continue uh, to play really good basketball. And then now in the Big 12, they're going to compete better than we thought. At first, right. I was a little intimidated, right? But now I, I'm pretty sure BYU is going to do better than we thought. And they're going to win a few more games than we thought. I, right now, I'm kind of saying in that 7-11 and 11 to 11-7 and seven range, somewhere in there, uh, BYU is going to looks like an NCAA tournament team. They look Absolutely. It's not just that. They look like a top-four seed. Uh, which is amazing. So, yes, it's... early. He
0: actually has this as a four seed in his weekly bracketology.
1: I saw that. And in Salt Lake. We'd take that.
0: Number one in the net rankings right now. Amazing.
1: Literally can't do better at that, right? And and for those who don't know, net is the new RPI of the last six years. RPI, rating percentage index. It was this dumb thing they made in 1981 that only accounted for, like, your opponent's winning percentage, your opponent your winning percentage, your opponent's winning percentage, and your opponent's opponents. It was too simple. We can do better, right? Um, and they, we have more metrics to assess things. And one metric doesn't mean everything. So, like, number one in that doesn't mean BYU is the best team in the country. Uh, what it means is BYU is the most efficient team in the country. And yeah. the way they're playing uh, is amazing. So, it's, it's awesome, man. It's great to see a team that really got kind of crapped on at the end of last year, really succeed and kind of rally around thinking no one thinks we can do it. And boy, have they been good so far.
0: We've really bounced back. Yeah. And when we play in the Big 12 Conference, it's arguably the most steep conference in all of college basketball. So we can afford to schedule an easier non-conference game. Uh, Speaking of a big game coming up, we're playing at Utah Saturday. And if we win that game, I think that we're going to go undefeated non-conference play but it's a big game. How do you think we're going to respond to the test of playing at Utah?
1: Yeah, it's the one uh, true road game, right? BYU has gone to Vegas for two games, won those. uh, But this is the only, like, in that other team's GM game of the 13-9 conference. I think BYU is going to respond great. It can get weird up there, for sure. It's a rivalry, emotional. Things can get out of hand quickly. But, like, what evidence do we have that this BYU team won't go up there and play well? They've been playing so great. They're not contingent on one, two or even three certain players doing anything specific. No foos, no problem, no Dawson Baker, no problem. Uh, this team's built to to succeed and uh, certainly it'll be a test when you go to Baylor and Kansas and Houston and like that'll be super hard. Utah's hard, but it ain't super hard. like U- Utah is a good team, but Bu is a better team. Uh, so I fully expect BYU to go in there and win and frankly by double figures, it could be close, whatever. I'd take a one point win right now uh, beating Utah is always awesome in any sport, no matter how good Utah is or not uh, it's a rivalry and and we love it. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to go up to that game and uh, watch it, which will be fun. And I uh, can't wait to have the, the Utes yell at me, which always happens, but uh, here we go. Go, <laughs> go <Cukes>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's talk women's soccer. Obviously, women's soccer lost to Stanford 2-0 in the final four. But before that, we had one of the most amazing comebacks in BYU history. When we were playing against North Carolina, we went down 3-0 in the first 10 minutes. Now you were commentating at that game live. Yeah. Through the disappointment you must have been feeling during the first half. Let's go through it slowly. The first half, we weren't playing well at all because we allowed too many goals. How were you feeling during this?
1: Yeah, listen, when I'm calling the game on ESPN Plus, I got to be uh, kind of down the middle, right? Um, if it's BYU TV, it's it's uh, we we certainly have a vested interest in BYU, but I would say it's like 60-40. It's not uh, truly 50-50 at that point. But on ESPN Plus, I got to call it straight. Um, at that point, I was like, this game's over. <laughs> like 20 minutes in? How could you not think that against a North Carolina team that had not allowed three goals in the game all year? So I thought... And and one way of sort of discussing that on the air without saying it's over, because I don't want to get freezing cold taped, is uh, ask a question. So I would say, has the game-winning goal already been scored? It's just a question I'm just throwing out there, right? Rhetorical, not meant to be answered. The answer was no. And little did we know. that That is one of the all-time great comebacks, right? But at that time, I did not think that BYU was going to come back. But knowing this BYU team... And how offensive they are and at home and how senior they were, how experienced they were. It wasn't crazy to think that they, like, in hindsight, it's like, they could do, they could do that. They were down at home against TCU, like, 3-1 earlier this year and came back and tied it. Um, And it, it was magical. It really was.
0: Yeah, coming down 3-0 is a big deal, especially against North Carolina.
1: Oh yeah. They're legit. Like no one's better at their sport than UNC and women's soccer. They they are, they won half the NCAA titles. Like, can you imagine if Alabama had like 50 national championships (laughs) in football or men's basketball, like, oh, UCLA is so good. It's like, they don't have 50 national titles or what, you know, half of them, uh, 21 of the 42 for North Carolina. Unbelievable.
0: Amazing. Yeah. In the second half, We really turned it on. I mean, we were down 3-0. How did we stay focused and score four straight goals, right? One of which coming in the first 20 minutes in the second half, and then the last three coming in the last 10 minutes, the final one coming in the last two minutes, and just describe to me the atmosphere of Southfield during this time.
1: Okay, so starting with the first uh question, how did they do it? Well, BYU is the number one offense in the country. So UNC, when, when you're up three-nothing, you're not playing with the same sort of go forward, right? You're on you're you're playing back. And at halftime, Anson Dorrance, who's this unbelievable coach, he said, Yeah, we're gonna put our sixes, aka the holding midfielders, we're gonna put them back. We're gonna sit back a little bit because we don't we're up three-nothing. We don't have to go forward. That that might have been the worst game plan because because BYU then was able to get forward and kind of launch, 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 launch and uh, its its shots and shots on goal, get in the box a little bit. And it still took 15, 16 minutes to get that first goal. And then it still took a while to get that second goal. But once BYU got that second goal, they scored three and four within a 10-minute span, right? And so BYU was allowed to do what BYU does. Uh, they didn't throw BYU off their game. They allowed BYU to start coming at them. And that was an issue. And frankly, it was. it's normal to think, hey, we're up 3-0. We're not going to give up three goals. If we give up one or two, it happens. Like, BYU's going to score. They're amazing. They'll they'll get a goal. When they got that second one, though, I was like, oh, boy. When they got the third one, I thought, this thing's over. BYU will get a fourth. Like, either in overtime or in regulation, the momentum is gone. The crowd is going crazy. Like, it. it, it was the greatest game I've ever called. And I've called – a bunch of different sports over hundreds of games over the years maybe a thousand i've known idea. like so unbelievable the comeback it was a miracle it was the elite eight it was unc it was uh down 3-0 it was snowing um you know i, I called it the best hallmark movie ever uh during the game which which if you watch, watch hallmark movies you get what i'm saying but it was uh it was I don't know how many 15 year old boys are watching Hallmark movies, but yeah, it, it was it was awesome, man. It was so fun. I couldn't I still almost can't believe it that it happened.
0: I can't believe it either. In fact, my dad turned the game off during the second half because he thought it was over.
1: <laughs> so many people did. Yeah. I know.
0: And then we checked the score later and saw BYU four to three comeback against North Carolina. <laughs> I mean, where does that come from? It's just truly something that happens uh magically. It's such uh, an amazing experience and such a an it,
1: it was the Miracle Bowl for soccer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it oh, really was. Yeah. Greatest
0: comebacks of all time.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it was unbelievable. It was crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, going back what you said about being partial to both teams on ESPN Plus, describe to me the transition that biu has gone through the past year of moving from BIU TV to a national broadcast of ESPN plus. And obviously you're the commentator. How does that change based on the way you commentate? Because sometimes you're partial towards BYU, but then 50, 50, right. With ESPN plus, how's that transition been for you?
1: Yeah. Um, it's been great and super easy. Cause we tried to kind of do that before. And so it wasn't like this big, we don't say we, but, reference BYU and it's the same production crew it's the same announcers so it's not like it was it's it's just on ESPN plus now um so it hasn't been that big of a transition frankly just not saying the words on BYU TV uh rather on Big 12 now on ESPN plus that's the brand right um so it's been cool uh we, you know it's we don't get the ratings so we don't get to see how many people are watching uh, on BYU TV we do with the, our app and you know on actual television and whatnot so uh, it hasn't been too crazy. It's been good exposure. I think for the university, it's been nice to have BYU TV in place because then they didn't have to do the game. You know, The the OIT department, Office of Information Technology, typically they're the ones that have to do all this for the school. But BYU TV is unique in that it has its own TV station. So we are the ones that shoulder that. And it's been great. Everyone behind the scenes has been awesome. We're using ESPN graphics and whatnot um, and their music. And so it's not been that big a difference uh honestly but it's been fun um and and i've always liked to give the the opponent their due on the radio both teams can have a radio feed and so you can be super partial to your team but when it's on tv typically in college there's only one way to watch it like in the nba you would have both teams that have their own then you can sort of cater to your audience right Know your audience. So, who's our audience when we're the only feed? It's both teams. So, that's why you have to be impartial. If it was there were two feeds and one was going to BYU fans, I'd make it 80 20 BYU. Like maybe it's a hundred. No, it'd never be a hundred zero. But I like telling people stories. That's why I'm in sports broadcasting. I like describing not only this game, but kind of the context of what this means, but also like who are these people and wh- wh- who are they? Where do they come from? What are they about outside of this game? a lot of people have interesting things and have overcome hard things and that's cool um a lot of those get highlighted more in like a pregame show type situation or a studio show uh post game is mostly like hey what just happened in this game but i like describing the individuals you know uh, in men's volleyball grand canyon has this guy that had a heart attack and missed part of a year and now he's one of the best players in the country you know and like for BYU atu nice amahe had a had a stroke essentially and came back and played and and he spent extra time with his grandpa that was essentially his dad. And then he passed away. And then suddenly United got better. It was like, what? Like, these stories are awesome. It's not just like, hey, we play this game. We play to win. We go home. It's like they're, they're human beings, right? So that yeah. part's really fun to me. Like, who? what are these people about? And uh, so it's fun to tell the BOA athlete story. And then the opponent as well We kind of showcase them. And what's your school about? What's this team about? What did they overcome? All of that's really fun because if it's just like numbers and math and like just describing what's going on, that only goes so far, but uh, it's, it's the human experience that's really fun too.
0: Cool. Well, that's some great insights. Let's talk some Puka football. Puka is having one of the most stellar seasons by an NFL rookie in a long time, and he's arguably the best rookie wide receiver in the NFL right now. I mean, he's been doing so well for the Los Angeles Rams. Drafted in the fifth round. Completely underrated. Look at him now. Pretty he's,
1: crushing, right? he's crushing it, right? Yeah, it's it's been awesome. Uh, he wasn't fully healthy at BYU. We saw at times this kind of version of Puka, right? But the fact that he's been able to – and he's playing hurt right now with a AC joint injury in his shoulder. But the fact that he's been able to do this has been so fun. And it's validated what we thought he was at BYU. I, I said – um, you know after last year I said he's the most athletic receiver BYU's ever had if he had played I said if he had played a full three years or four years he might match Austin Colley's production Austin Colley to me is still the goat at BYU because that's based on like the best ability is availability and unfortunately Puka was a little hurt but like Puka's special man I mean you could argue he's the best receiver in BYU if you just take stats out and you're just watching film of when they were doing their thing like Austin Austin's still the goat at BYU and in the NFL but Puka's on his way to passing Austin in the NFL like maybe next year I don't so, know I asked Austin that question I he kind of skipped over it <laughs> but yeah. maybe one day he'll uh he'll answer it later but Austin was amazing in the NFL it's fun to have the skill position guys we have a lot of them now we yeah. we haven't had a, a ton over the years every now and then we'd have a a Dennis Pitta or a Jamal and Taysom emerged. It was like, oh, we have a quarterback running back. But the fact that Ed, there was one week where we had three quarterbacks throw a pass this mm-hmm. year. Like, that was cool. Unfortunately, Jaron got hurt, but...
0: And yeah. Jared, it was amazing to see them representing in the NFL.
1: So Yeah, hard. they're and they deserve it. These guys are good enough. And BYU, to their credit, has developed these guys. Like, Pook came out as as a big-time receiver, like a four-star. But Jaron and Zach were three stars. Um, and then they became uh you know four and five stars if you will a five star is someone that when they're a freshman they project could be a first round nfl pick a fourth round is rounds uh two and three and then a three star is four four five six seven so that's sort of what the stars mean right so kingsley Suamatia comes out of orem they think he's a first round pick talent right um so that's a big deal and and byu needs to get more four and five stars but the three stars they need to continue to develop and we've had no stars and two stars make the NFL and Tyler Algier and Brady Christensen and so on. So BYU has been always good about developing guys, but it's been really special the last couple of years.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I like those insights. It's great to see BYU representing and then we change um, as a culture. I think that one thing that's um, been unique about BYU is that we have lots of players who go into the NFL and then we can see how they're doing and I really like to see BYU representing because we're up there with some of the best players. And we have some amazing players like Fred Warner, starting linebacker for the Niners, played at BYU. And we really do develop some amazing players who go to the NFL and have great careers. And that's one thing I love about BYU. It's fun to
1: watch, right? Yeah. And, the, and there's been guys, you know, since the 60s and whatnot in the NFL from BYU. Um, but it feels like right now it's a special you right. In the 80s, that was kind of the best. We were putting a lot of guys in there. We were winning a ton of games, but, but like we're back in that direction, right? Of, of uh, producing a lot of good guys. We need more offensive linemen, more defensive linemen in the NFL. The, the minute we start to do that the, is the minute the BYU actually competes for a Big 12 title. The D line is the biggest issue with BYU the last kind of eight years. Uh, still working on that, right? Kairos Tonga has been some good players. Tyler Brad is a good player, but it's like, hey, if you if you could produce D linemen, tackles, and ends, and, and good O linemen, which BYU has produced with when Kingsley gets drafted, it's three starting left tackles in a row. That's amazing. And then They're
0: there's more tackles that want to come to BYU and it creates a chain reaction.
1: Yeah. The hope is you keep that going, right? Uh, and part of that depends on who you hire at O line coach and and who wants to play for that guy and who you can bring in and whatnot. So Yeah, that's never been a real issue. Like there are certain positions that have never been an issue for BYU. Tight end, uh, quarterback, uh, O-line. Never been an issue for BYU.
0: For sure. Going back to Puka, I'd like to talk about some some interviews that you had with him. Look, um, so you get to rub shoulders with him when he was at BYU. Tell me about Puka and his attitude and personality. What's he like?
1: He's super smiley. Right. Um, I asked him one time in the film room. I think it was, was it last year? I said, Oh yeah. I was like the first one. I said, you're always smiling. Why is that? And he's like, laugh short. You got to smile. Got to be happy. And, uh, his name means chubby in Samoan. So it's, which is hilarious. Cause like, he's not chubby at all. But when he was little, I guess he was chubby, but Puka means chubby. So it, it just, that made me smile. You know, I was like, "What? that's, that's awesome. Um, he's he's super he's not super serious all the time you know what i mean he likes to have a good time when it's time to lock in he's locked in but you see that in some of these mic'd up things with him in the nfl which is super cool yeah super good dude super nice guy um deserves everything he gets and it was it was fun that he went to byu and uh if you saw his deep blue uh that that by tv did it really tells the story of his dad passing away and the influence that his dad had on he and his brothers and uh, and his sister. And it's been awesome, man. He's, he's an emotional guy. And uh, it was good to have him finish up at the Y.
0: Yeah. And hopefully he'll finish that career in the NFL successfully. He's on the path to have a great career in the NFL right now.
1: Yeah, totally. I don't like the Rams winning, but I love Puka doing well. And the Rams beat the Seahawks twice. So You know what? That's my only issue with the Puka goodness is my Seahawks have struggled, but Puka has been amazing. I want, I can have both. I can have Fred have a million tackles and the Niners lose, but I, but the Niners are winning so much, you know, and the Rams are winning. So it's like, Oh, come on.
0: (laughs) You don't get everything right, but (laughs) it's true. Get your players. Yes. So the final thing I'd like to talk to you about is about sports casting. Obviously, you're a BYU sportscaster, Commentated at the BYU games, uh, do some interviews, analyze games, host radio and TV shows, all that jazz. So tell me, what path did you take in your life to become a BYU sportscaster?
1: First off, I'm really lucky, and my experience is not anyone else's, right? Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I'll tell you how it happened. So as a kid, I wanted to do this, and I would, I would mess around at home with the technology that I had at the time. Uh, to sort of record my own voice and with friends and, and do different shows and whatnot which was fun um, and then an important piece was meeting the right people who opened my mind to what opportunities existed and then tried to take said opportunities and then my timing was good and I ended up here um, in college I knew a guy that knew the BYU TV sports producer and introduced me and eventually I took his class and he offered me a job um, and then I was lucky to get to BYU TV and then over time it's expanded. It used to be just small time and now it's big time um, in the sports department, at least. So it's been awesome. And I've done a variety of things like i produced for 10 years, uh, the pre and post game shows, football and the coach shows. I didn't ever expect to be a producer, but that taught me a lot. I'm not a producer anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. Didn't expect to do a daily show. I wasn't one of the original intended hosts for BYU Sports Nation. and I, I was lucky to actually be with Spencer on that. And now we're going 10 years plus. I didn't expect to do like things that weren't football or basketball. Um, didn't grow up thinking, hey, I want to do volleyball and rugby primarily. Uh, but that's what I do. The majority of my play-by-play is volleyball and rugby. Um, but I love it, man. And I didn't realize like that the storytelling part like I was talking about would be my favorite part, actually. I love like play-by-play in a big game is the best. Don't get me wrong. But um, hosting a pre and post-game show for men's basketball is also awesome because guess what I can't be the guy that calls the games right now that's Dave McCann and then Spencer and then it's probably me but like we didn't we never get to me in that order I'm not unhappy though I I found uh that there are other things around the game that you can get involved in that can really uh satisfy my itch to be a broadcaster right so don't limit yourself on well I only want to do this well, then maybe you get pushed out of that opportunity and you have to go elsewhere. But what if I would have left BYU TV? I wouldn't have commentated the two elite A games the last three years, or men's volleyball, or professional rugby, or pre/post basketball, or BYU sports. Like these opportunities have uh, luckily been there because of timing, and the only thing I could control was being prepared. Am I good enough to do this now, or do I have to get up to speed suddenly? um you have to be ready now so that someone sees and goes hey gabe is good at this we should give him an opportunity now also here's another thing manifest your goals verbally to people especially those people the people that are in power of those so i've I've said i said to people when i was younger like hey i want to be the voice of the cougars when greg's done that's still the case and greg still has 10 or 15 years like He's, he's young. He's not, he's not old. So what am I doing in the meantime? Am I just waiting around? No, I I gotta, uh, I gotta increase my skills to where if that opportunity is, is afforded me at some point in the future and I won't be the only one that wants that. um, Am I clearly a clear cut good guy for that? Like have I prepared myself well so that people go, Oh yeah, let's have Jerem. Like that's part of my goal still, even though I'm 40 now and like I, I'm older than you. I still feel super young. Like I was you 25 years ago going, Oh, that'd be sweet to be a sports broadcaster. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like, but you're doing way more than I did. You're ahead of me at that age. You know what I mean? takes a lot of hard work, takes sacrifice. Uh, you know, you're you working nights and weekends and some holidays and, but if you really love it and it gives you, um, you know, some satisfaction, which this does, then yeah. Get after it and work hard and prepare and be open to suggestion and different things and uh, be ready and then and call games of, of sports and things you didn't necessarily think you would. And who knows what that looks like? Like th- this year, I called a rugby game on on FS uh, on Fox Sports um, of the United States that played this French club. I never would have in a million years. Imagine that I'd one call rugby and two on Fox Sports. That was super cool. I was like, hey. This is awesome. Um, And who knows what the future looks like for me. But I'm like, dude, could I call games in the Rugby World Cup? Like, who knows? You know, or volleyball in the Olympics. Who knows? Like, it's not the football, men's basketball path that's sort of traditional. But I am open to it because to me, it is the same. It it doesn't necessarily matter. Like, one day, I'd love to be voice of the Cougars. And then I kind of lock in. Maybe that's the only thing I do. Right now, I kind of have my my hands in all kinds of cookie jars and uh hey these cookies taste good let's go
0: yeah well that's
1: and i feel lucky i feel super lucky right
0: it's a great job great position it's
1: it's awesome Yeah. yeah
0: great well uh that's that's all i'd like to talk about you had some amazing insights thank you it's been so much fun i'm so thrilled i got to have you on um, you talk a lot of BYU sports and it's lots of fun. It should bring my rating on game day with Gabe up a lot to have on. <laughs> you're a pretty famous guy.
1: Hopefully <laughs> I wish, hopefully there'll be a few dozen uh, more people tuning in.
0: <laughs> well, thank you.
1: Well, Gabe, best of luck, man. Uh, keep up the good work, dude. Again, I don't know a single 15 year old in the world doing a BYU podcast. So you're doing great work. There's room for all of us. And uh, keep 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 it up, man. And then one day, if you can uh, go to BYU, come work at BYU TV, and then uh, we'll we'll see what happens, bro. I was I was you, and you can be me. Like uh, my our path, you can be way better than me. Our paths aren't always the same. You'll take a different road, right? But you can you can get to a similar space. I was your age, almost sixteen, when I first met Gregor Bell. Now we share an office wall right next to each other. Like, hey, maybe we'll share an office wall one day. Who knows?
0: Who knows? Anything can happen. Yep. Well, thanks so much. You have some great insights. And
1: hey, you got it. And shout out to Rexburg, where you're from, because both my parents went to uh, Rick's. So Rexburg is always uh, near and dear to my heart.
0: Thank you. Rexburg, Idaho. Um, and I love Provo, too. Provo, Utah. That's where it's at.
1: And hey, Bear World just down the street. I went for the first time this year. It was awesome.
0: You went to Bear World.
1: I went to Bear World, dude. I loved it.
0: Yeah, you get to drive, and then you get to see bears on the side of the road what? walking on the road. It's crazy.
1: It was great. It was great. It was it was almost as good as BYU basketball.
0: We offer some unique things in Rexburg. <laughs> don't get anywhere else. <laughs>
1: you can say that again. <laughs>
0: Shout out to my mom for setting up that amazing interview. And shout out to Jerem Jordan, BYU TV man. He knows the ins and outs of BYU. He's a commentator at football, basketball, soccer, volleyball, rugby games, and he knows everything there is to know about BYU. It was such an amazing interview. I'm so lucky that I got to have it, and I will cherish it forever. Go Cougs, indeed. Now I'm going to move on with my podcast. And I'll continue talking about college football, summing up conference championship weekend. And I'll sum up the basic games that you need to know about that affect the playoff. The playoff was announced Saturday. Sorry, Sunday on Selection Sunday, and the top four teams made it in. I'll get to that later, but first I have to explain which teams won. So, Washington beat, Washington beat number five Oregon 34-31 in an upset in Vegas. Washington was, in fact, an underdog. Oregon was favored by 9.5 in the spread, and Washington won outright. Pennix Jr. is now the front runner for the Heisman Trophy, and his performance catapulted Washington into the Final Four, and they're essentially in the playoff now. They are in, in fact, but I'll get to that later. And Oregon's now out. Texas creamed Oklahoma State 49-21 in the Big 12 championship game. That was Saturday morning. Texas had 662 yards of total offense, a stat that no one sees anymore. Texas just obliterated them. In the championship game, it was a very uneven playing field, and they creamed them when it mattered most. In fact, Quinn Ewers had 442 passing yards and four touchdowns. They sure went out with a bang in the final game in the Big 12. Texas is such a good team. Now they're going to make a run in the playoff because they're in. Meanwhile, Alabama's pulling off upsets against Georgia in the SEC Championship game, winning 27 to 24. So, Nick Saban prepared his team, and they sh- they came out ready to fight. Georgia just wasn't expecting it. They weren't ready for what Alabama brung, And you can't ever underestimate the Alabama Crimson Tide. So with that, Alabama is a number is a really good team to make it to the playoff. So basically, you have locks like Michigan, Washington, then you also have Texas, Alabama, but don't forget about Florida State because Florida State won 16 to 6 in the ACC Championship game against Louisville. That puts Florida State at 13 and 0, a perfect year, undefeated. The only problem is they're on their third string quarterback now, and he could only put up 55 passing yards in the playoff game. Sorry, in the conference championship game. Well, the CFP committee looked at that and said, We're not going to put Florida State in. In one of the most controversial moves in CFB history, they're going to put in the SEC team, which is Alabama, over an undefeated Florida State. Now, this is the first time that an undefeated Power 5 champion has been snubbed from the playoff. They were in the top four all year, essentially. There was no one that could beat them. That's why they were undefeated. So why don't they get the run for their money in the playoff? Because he can't leave the SEC out of the playoff, because the SEC is basically what the playoff is made of, and like you can't play an SEC, can't play a playoff without an SEC team. It just doesn't work. But it should have. Florida State should have made the playoff, but Alabama made it instead. I feel sorry for Florida State fans. Such a heartbreaker when your team goes all the way that far after having a perfect year, knowing you're going to make the playoff, and having it ripped from you just like that. It must have been heartbreaking for their fans. I feel for them. It stinks. Georgia and Ohio State also got snubbed because Georgia had one loss coming to their rival at the end of the year. They lost by three points, and that's all that it mattered. The whole year didn't really matter because the SEC championship game was what defined the rest of their season. The theme of the story is that the SEC, sorry, any conference championship game, is going to define the rest of the year. When you play the big rival and you lose, if you lose that game, you're probably going to be out of the playoff. Ohio State had the same case where they lost to Michigan in the final Big Ten game of the year. And just like that, Ohio State snubbed from the playoff. One loss coming to your rival, such a close game, and yet you lose and you're out of the playoff after being in it all year. In fact, look at the CFP rankings Georgia and Ohio State were number one and number two. For almost all of the weeks, leading until the conference championship week. And then they both got out. Pretty crazy. So the final four. Michigan at number one, of course. Washington at number two. They put Texas at number three in front of Alabama. Because if you remember, Texas had that head-to-head win earlier in the year in week two. And they put in Alabama behind them at number four. So we're going to have Michigan playing number four, Alabama, in the Rose Bowl. And we're going to have Texas playing number two Washington in the Sugar Bowl. It'll be such a good playoff. Michigan and Alabama is definitely the matchup to see. Once that game comes around in late December, early January time, it's going to be hyped. I'm so excited for it. Obviously, Florida State got snubbed. They valued Texas and Alabama's resume over theirs. And they are angry. I'm going to read from you a CF, sorry, an ESPN anger index article that ESPN wrote. It says Florida States without starting quarterback Jordan Travis, meaning it wouldn't have to play with a quarterback. He wasn't its opening week one starter in order to win a national title. And of course, that couldn't happen, right? Basically, what this is just saying is that they're on the third string quarterback. And obviously, with a third string quarterback, you really can't compete in the playoff. Cause you're going to play the likes of Texas dominant, Alabama dominant, Michigan dominant, Washington dominant, and Florida State just doesn't really have a place to fit in that right now. But you look at the stat they share afterward. After all, only 2014 Ohio State, 2017 Alabama, 2018 Clemson, and 2021 Georgia did that. Those teams all won with a quarterback who was not their week one starter. That's 44% of the playoff just like that florida state gets snubbed because they're on the third string, and mainly they had 55 passing yards in the game against louisville and the committee looked at that and said nah you're out when one of the most controversial moves that will live on in florida state history forever and the florida state uh governor and stuff they're suing the committee for not letting them in i mean it doesn't really matter florida state's making money either way but they just got snubbed from the playoff and there's a lot of chatter about that in the sports world right now. So that's the sum up from what happened and who's making the playoff. It's going to be an amazing week. There's going to be the Rose Bowl. There's going to be the Sugar Bowl. Those two games are going to host the playoffs. The New Year's Six, it's also going to have some fun ones. That hosts uh, the Peach Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and the what's it? Orange Bowl. Those games are gonna be lots of fun. New Year's Six games played during New Year's Six time, obviously, and it's just lots of fun. As for this week, we only have one college football game between Army and Navy, classic tradition, but there's no bowl game starting till December 16th. So we're gonna have to wait a bit. In the meantime, we'll look at college basketball, cause what's not to like about BYU's 8-0 start, baby? Going 8-0 in the first eight games, speeding NC State, and San Diego State, and pooping on the, the bad teams that we've, that we've beaten by 40-plus points, and making 14 threes a game minimum, and BYU's number one in the net rankings right now. Jeremy explained the net rankings earlier, but BYU's number one, and I'm so hyped for them. It's going to be a great season. Joe Lunardi has us as a, a four-seed in his bracketology. A four-seed. That would be a dream for BYU. That's not happened since Jimmer time. Jimmer time was back in 2011 when BIU had a guy named Jimmer Fredette, who was popping off from free every game, and he was just an automatic bucket. He probably averaged around 30 points a game, minimum. He was doing more than that most games, and he was just a special player to watch. Well, this year's BIU team offers one of the most threats that no one has anymore. That Sorry, that a lot of people have. No one had it back in the day, but it's a modern development. It's the three-point shot. About 90% of our guys on the team can shoot threes. The only guys that can't are our big centers. And that's all right, because if we spread the floor and pass, the the psychology behind this is that there's going to be a guy open down low who's ready to either go one-on-one or have a wide-open dunk slash layup. And that's how our philosophy is going to work this year. It's worked so far, and we're 8-0, heading into a big test to play at Utah. This will be 5 p.m. on Saturday night on the Pac-12 Network. So good luck finding the TV channel for that. But if BYU wins this game, we're probably going to go undefeated in non-conference play, and then make the Big 12, uh, make make the Big 12 tournament at the end of the year. Hopefully with a above 500 record, which is where we split half the games. I think that's definitely doable if we can pull off that where we split half the games in the Big 12, win half, lose half, go undefeated in non-conference play. I think you're basically guaranteed a spot in March Madness, the best postseason tournament in all of sports. So I am hyped for basketball. The A People has us ranked in number 14. The net ranking says it's number 1. And CanPalm, which is a system that they use as well, has us ranked number 6. We're clearly on the map. It helps to be part of the Big 12. I'll just say that. You might be wondering, why is BYU's non-conference schedule so easy? In fact, we're playing so many Cupcake games at home, and we only have one true road non-conference game, and that's going to be at Utah. Well, when you play in the Big 12 Conference, it's the most deep conference in all of college basketball, and you're going to play such a quality schedule, you're going to have a strong strength of schedule, that you don't need a very strong non-conference schedule to have a good resume for the March Madness tournament. That's why BYU's played some easy games to warm up and really find out what's good about this team. And it's worked to perfection this year. Mark Pope's team is doing so well. I'm hyped for BYU. A quick tidbit I'd like to share with you from the NFL is the 49ers who played at the Eagles in Week 13. The 49ers won 42-19 behind Debo Samuels' three touchdowns. Debo Samuel is a professional wide receiver for the Niners, and he is fast. He's just carrying their team. So the 49ers beating the Eagles makes some waves in the NFC because both are NFC teams vying for a spot in the Super Bowl. It might be an NFC Championship rematch later in the year. It was last year, in fact. Both teams made it to the NFC Championship. But with a healthy Brock Purdy this time, I think the 49ers can win and make it to the Super Bowl quick do I'd like to share, and the Eagles really don't get beat 42-19 to very often. That just shows how dominant the Niners can be when they want to. They might go all the way to the Super Bowl this year and win it. We'll see. Another thing, Puka got a 70-yard reception touchdown against the Browns. He had a 31-yard run, four receptions for 105 yards, and a touchdown. They won 36-19. I'm not a big Rams fan, but I'm a Puka fan. If Puka's doing well, then I'm happy. Go Puka. Gabe's game this week is going to be BYU at Utah. College football's finished, so there's not much to talk about anymore. Until bowl season comes up. And then that'll be so much fun. And I'll make some regarding the college football playoff and the New Year's Six Bowl games. But for now, it's college basketball season. Between BYU and Utah, two of the biggest rivals in all of college sports. It's going to be the holy war, but basketball style. And it's Gabe's game, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to Game Day with Gabe. Gabe the Babe is lit, and I'm always happy to share my insights into the college football world. I have a special invitation just for you. If you like this podcast, please share with a fellow friend and a fellow avid Cougs fan. I'm trying to make it to a thousand listeners on Spotify, so if you could share on Spotify, that would be preferable. If I can make it to a thousand Spotify listeners, then I can put in ads and keep this podcast going. And Gabe the Babe will be here to stay. Thank you so much for listening. As always, go kooks!